Green. Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. (laughs) This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. And welcome in, Birds fans. A Thursday get-together here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel with your boys, Mac and Mac. And do me a favor, the 15 of you that have already logged in, 18 of you, the number just goes up. Uh, Thank you very much for being here right at the start of the show, which was pretty much on time. Uh, I'm going to ask you a favor right off the bat. Oh, wow. One of the 18 loyal right there at the top of the show. And during the course of the show, we get up over 200 somewhere there, about we've had three and 400 at specific times during the show. But the general average is around 200. So right now it says we got 18 streamed in. Um, those of you 18, do me a favor. Hit the like button. Just go ahead and hit it right now. Get it over and done with so you don't have to worry about it during the show. Hit it right now. Say you like the uh, Birds 365 show at Mac and Mac. And I guarantee you're going to hit it again later because we've got a good one planned for you. Uh, two good guests. We'll give you details on that coming up in just a second. Did you all hit the like button? Guys, one more time, hit the like button. Good job. All right, thanks. Uh, I needed. To I thought you were going to ask something else, Jody. Oh, I am. It's it's tied to two things. All That's right. Why I'm doing so is because I'm going to guess the bird loyalists, and we have plenty of them, and well, we should because this is Birds 365. Some people look at the birds through birds-colored glasses. Jaquiski uh, Tart's going to be a Pro Bowl safety this year. You know what I'm getting at. Um, my first question of the day is going to come off something that popped up yesterday on the show. Uh, I don't even remember which of the two good guests we had actually made me think of it, but I jotted it down as a note and I wasn't going to slam dunk it into the end of the show yesterday because we actually ran late. We went over. We might have been a minute late starting the show, but we went five minutes late on the back end. So you got more than your two hours of Mac and Mac on Birds 365. We always balance the scales for you. Um, but I wasn't going to put this at the back end of the show. I, I'm i trying as best I can to remember who actually made me think of it, but uh, I, I won't put it on them. I'll uh, take all the credit and or blame for it myself. <laughs> um, somebody... W- God, what was it about? Um, referencing potential uh, pitfalls and, and stuff that could go wrong for the Eagles this upcoming year. Which, oh, by the way, both John and I are on record. As of right now, double-digit wins for the Eagles. 
We both think they're going to win 10 or 11 games. So neither one of us is pessimistic by any stretch of the imagination. But when you're doing two hours of Eagle talk every day, even when they're not playing, they're all skin, uh, scattered to the hinterlands uh, before camp opens up. Uh, you, you take all things into consideration. JM, I'm going to ask you to go a little negative here. And this again, a hypothetical situation. I'm not predicting it. I'm not projecting it. I'm sticking with my Eagles of winning double-digit games this year. But what if, on the other hand, things don't go well? For whatever reasons, varying reasons, could be massive injuries. Even that, if the Eagles get massive injuries, you know we're going to sit there on Birds 365. <laughs> Wait, how about, how much work yeah. did they put in in the preseason? They got injuries everywhere. So there can be any number of reasons why the Eagles season could go off the tracks. If it does, how bad would it have to be for Nick Sirianni and or Jonathan Gannon, the defensive coordinator that's so good the Eagles aren't really keeping him, they're just renting him because it's only a matter of time before he gets a head coaching job elsewhere, according to Harry Roseman. How bad would it have to go for those two guys to actually be on a hot seat? For us here on Birds 365 and WIP and all the great beat writers have to start writing columns about uh, there, there could be a change in the offing as far as coaching goes for the Philadelphia Eagles. How bad would it have to go for that to be the case? Because both Sirianni and Ganner are second-year coaches, had very good first years, better than expectations. So they're in very good stead as of right now. How bad would it have to go in the other direction for us to question that? Um, you know, it's interesting. I got odds of the first coach to be fired uh, this week. Oh, that's great. I get, Can I take a guess? Um, well, the first one's pretty easy. I think you'll get, but go ahead. Oh, no, I'm just saying where on – did they list all 32? Yes, yes. Where on the list would Sirianni be? I have to pull it up. Um uh, but Don't tell pretty... me what it is. Just tell me that you got it. Um, of course, I deleted the email. So I'll I'll try to uh, go through my trash and figure out where it is. But uh, yeah, uh, I'm mm, I'm trying to think of where he ended up. Uh, but I'll wait because you want to. My guess, guess my guess would be he's got to be in the twenties. He can't be in the top ten. And I don't think he'd even be 10 to 20. I would think, and he's only a second-year coach, so it's not like Andy Reid who's built up. Bill Belichick, Belichick's not getting fired from New England. When okay. if he leaves New England, he'll be uh, making that decision himself. But I'll bet you Sirianni is in the 20s. If you wanted me to give you an exact number, I would say 23, 24, 25. He is uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Wow! 14th. So he's in the top half. Yeah, fourteenth. But you know, most of the guys obviously are are the rookie head coaches are very high. Sixty six to one, basically, is the defaults for the Everpalooses, the O'Connells, the McDaniel's, the Hackett's. Uh, uh, so when you start talking about uh, Nick is 25 to one, by the way, um, right behind him is Kyle Shanahan at 33 to one. Oh, I would have had him in 22. <clears throat> yeah. Bill Belichick is 50 to one, 50 to one. Think about that. Lovey Smith is 50 to one. 
Todd Bowles and their first year coaches, but they're not rookies, are, are 50 to 1. So they're probably more likely to oh, be see, fired. I, I disagree with those odds right, right there. Yeah. Do you think Nick Sirianni is more likely to get fired than Todd Bowles? No, I don't. No, How I do don't. you make Nick Sirianni less odds than that? Yeah, I don't. I don't. These odds are, I complain about them all the time. They're not like, why is Bill Belichick 50 to 1, where Andy Reid is 100 to 1? Josh McDaniels is a hundred to one for some reason. Sean McDermott uh, and and Sean McVay are the top uh, at a hundred to one. Sort of l- the least likeliest right. to be fired. Um, Matt Lafleur is at eighty to one. A- again, Belichick's at fifty to one. I, I don't. But you know, maybe it's because the odds are first coach to be fired or resign. You know, maybe that changes it. Guys could walk away on their own accord. Maybe they think that way. Right, that's you know, what I said about agent. Belichick. Belichick's not getting fired. If yeah. Belichick just one day decides, yeah, this isn't fun anymore, he could walk yeah, yeah, away. Yeah, exactly. There's a difference uh, between those two things for me. If I were putting out odds, I would put out a list of those who are being fired, and then I would have a different list, those who are fired or walked away. Yeah, uh, and, and they combined them. Uh, next NFL coach to be fired, resign. And and Nick's at 25 to 1, which I think is, you know, I in, in fact, I tweeted this out when I got it, and I said if you want to waste some money, Nick Sirianni's 25 to 1 because he's not getting fired. He's certainly not resigning. Um, but as far as the hot seat goes, I mean, underachieving, it, it happens really quick. I mean, there were people calling for Nick Sirianni to be fired last year, two and five as a rookie head coach. There were some high profile people in this city who who said he should be fired. He's not ready for this job. Will will he be a one and done? Yeah, yeah. I remember those. uh... And uh, um, obviously they were incorrect. Uh, But, you know, in in the moment, uh, people get emotional um, and don't understand the ebbs and flows of this thing. And but as far as you know, with Gannon, it could happen really quickly, really quickly, because for whatever reason, even though he's a very likable guy and everybody likes him, sort of, and that's why he gets head coaching interviews. And you know, to the to the fan base, they just don't like his the way he plays defense. They just don't like it. So then you tell him all off season. Well, Jordan Davis is this, and the son Reddick is that, and James Bradbury's the big time corner, and Chikwitsky Tart is the the top covered safety in the history of the National Football League, and Nicobe Dean is the most instinctive linebacker since Dick Butkus. And all of a sudden they expect top five defense. And if, if you're the first month and you're two and two, and you're in the twenties from a defensive perspective, because you're still getting to learn each other because you don't have any home season work. You, you know, I could see that happening, Jody, where this defense starts slowly and then starts to get better and better and better and, and, and gets, you know, ramped up to speed in the second half of the season. But I could see a slow start, especially defensively. Um, and, and I think that would ratchet things pr- up pretty quickly on Jonathan Gannon, because I think, not all, but I think a lot of the fan base has been. Why is this guy getting head coaching interviews? Why, why, why is he so close to getting a head coaching job? And now that he's got all the talent, um, why isn't this a top ten defense? So, I think from his perspective, 
it'll happen more quickly. Uh, but if the whole team uh, starts to underachieve, yeah, head coach, man. Right now, nobody even talks. In fact, I said it yesterday on the show. Nobody even talks about Sirianni. They talk about Gadden. They talk about Jalen Hurts. Those are the guys with the pressure on them. Everybody's like, Nick's fine. Nick's, Nick's good. Nick's good. Well, guess what? If they're underachieving, Nick's not going to be fine for long. Interesting your look at Gannon. Uh, and I'm not saying you're wrong, but the only thing I would factor in as to why he would be on the same plane with Sirianni of hot seat. Uh, and yeah, if the Eagles are losing games 42-35 and Hurts is playing great and the Eagles are giving up six touchdowns a week, yeah, that could change it drastically, but that's uh, very unlikely. Um, you're, you're the one who's been telling me, you know better than I do, that the quote-unquote Eagles, that meaning Jeff Laurie and Harry Roseman, um, love Jonathan Gannon, that they were planning on hiring Jonathan Gannon no matter who they hired as their head coach, that this was a guy that they ticketed as a defensive coordinator, potential star in the making, and that uh, certainly uh, Sirianni was good with the hiring when he came together. They they brought to him, listen, do we think this guy could be a great DC for you? Okay, fine, signed on right away. But it was more organizational driven than it was Sirianni telling them, here's a guy I really like as the defensive coordinator. Do you think the powers that be would swing that quickly if they were just feeling pressure from the fan base that, hey, this D.C. doesn't bring what we want, which is pressure, 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 sack, sack, sack. Do you think that uh, Roseman and Laurie would react to uh, uh, the fan? No, not not. In other words, I think it would be more public sentiment driven. I don't think the Eagles are going to fire Jonathan Gannon, um, you know, in season or anything of that nature. Um you know, if they have a bad year as a whole, yeah, it'll start to change in the offseason. They'll start thinking about things. This organization has shown that when things don't go as they want, they scapegoat people. That's one thing I've said. Yeah. Jeffrey Laurie, as he's gotten older, started to scapegoat people. And whether it was uh, Mike Rowe or, or Carson right. and, Walsh. And, and coaches are at the top of that list yeah. all Russ the Taylor, time. Yeah. Doug Peterson, who won a Super Bowl, we don't have to go that far. They they start to scapegoat people. Yeah, so it can change quickly. But no, they're not going to fire him in season. Um, and yeah, when it looked like Josh McDaniels was going to get the Eagles job, and by the way, I think Jeffrey Lurie made the correct decision there uh, because I don't think long-term he and Howie Roseman would have coexisted. I think that would have been fun for me, but I think that would have blown up like, uh, pretty quickly. Um, Josh McDaniels uh, was bringing in Jonathan Gannon to be the defensive coordinator. They're very close. Um, sort of that John Carroll pipeline, that weird John Carroll pipeline to, to the NFL, which Jonathan technically has nothing to do with other than he's uh, a Cleveland guy as well. Um, but you know, back in the day, he got Brandon Staley the job. He's good friends with the former head coach there. And he got Staley the job to be defensive coordinator at JCU. And McDaniels went there. And just like a weird sort of Illuminati thing going on at John Carroll University. If you go there, you got a real good in for the NFL. Or if you know people, 
uh, who have been in that program, which again is it's not Alabama, Sajik. So it's kind of weird. Uh, but nonetheless, he was going to be the defense coordinator if they hired Josh McDaniels. So those two are very, very close um, over the years. Um, and and when Nick Sirianni, uh, they shifted towards Nick Sirianni and Jeffrey Lurie, as I said, correctly said, you know what? Howie's rubber stamp and Josh McDaniels, but he's thinking what I'm thinking. They might be fine today. They might be saying all the right things, but those are two big time egos and those are going to clash at some point. And he kept interviewing people and interviewing people. And this is just my uh, spin on it. He was going to keep interviewing people until he finds found somebody he liked more than Josh McDaniels. And he got that with Nick Sirianni and Nick Sirianni just happened to be working with Jonathan Gannon. So everyone said, well, that makes sense. They didn't go into it as much. And, and he does like him as a coach. But the Eagles were intent on hiring Jonathan Gannon as the defense corner before they 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 tabbed Nick Sirianni. But Nick had no issues with it whatsoever right. because he's close to him as well. That's why I asked the question the way I asked it. Uh, I don't see them separated. I think they're kind of tied at the hip, even though it was the Eagles who tied them at the hip, uh, that uh, it, it would have to go real bad across the board for both of them to get fired. I don't think one would get fired and the other would be kept. I think it would be a clean sweep or they're both staying right here. Oh, by the way, let us uh, get this straight again. Neither John McMullen or Jody McDonald think this is going to happen. I'm just asking no. a hypothetical question. I, and let me make this clear, Jody, because we always get in trouble. I'm glad you said that. When, when I got these odds, I said, if you want to waste a lot of money, waste. Nick Sirianni Keyword, is waste. 25. Yes. He's not getting fired. End of sentence, period. 25 to 1 is ludicrously low. Um, I think he's more likely to resign for some weird reason than he is to get fired. All right. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Something in yesterday's show uh, got me to formulate that question. I don't know why. I, I Shame on me. I can't remember 24 hours later, but I, I wrote I think it down. It's cause I, asked, I asked Gil the pressure. Who's under more pressure? Yeah, and uh, Hertz or Sirianni, uh, because nobody talks about Sirianni. Okay. Maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. maybe that was it. Because right, yeah. Sirianni never is a, even a thought in that process as to who's under pressure. Well, there's no pressure on Sirianni. One and six with the year early schedule that this team yeah. has. Oh, the pressure could get ratcheted up early. Now, no, again, what one and six with that schedule? That is going to really ratchet it up. Yeah. Whoa. Uh, oh, by the way, neither John nor I think the Eagles are starting one and six. Don't misquote us. No. All yeah. right. Uh, coming up next, we're going to have one of our favorites on. Uh, we've got a good show planned for you today. Uh, later in the show, we're going to have Chris Landry from Landry Football, former NFL scout, former NFL coach, uh, one of the best talent evaluators around. We haven't had Chris on since the draft. He got busy. He was working for NFL teams on a contingency basis. Um, so he, his schedule's kind of finally cleared up, and we're going to get Chris on in hour number two. But hour number one. Hall of Fame voter, our very own here at Jacob Sports and jacobsports.com. Paul Domwich joins us next here on Birds 365.
Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake them out. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Streaming on in here to Birds 365 with the Mac and Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald. We are joined by one of our more frequent contributors, and he will be contributing on jacobsports.com this upcoming season. Uh, also writing these days for the 33rd team, our buddy Paul Domwich here with us on Birds 365. Domo, you look relaxed. Look like summer's treating you okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm enjoying the summer. Yeah. It's better to be relaxed than not relaxed. So there, exactly. there. That's. I was coming more on the on the hair on your chitty chin chin. I always I've had this stuff on my face for decades, and Johnny Mac for as long as I know him. You're you're a more often cleanly shaved guy. I was just saying you look relaxed because you got the scrub going. Well, the hockey playoffs are still going on, right? That's true. Yeah, so that's allowed. Little little yeah. little hockey playoff beard. Yeah. Uh, as long as the Stanley Cups are still going. Stanley Cup's still going on. It was a good game last night. Overtime. Yeah, who won? I didn't check. Avs scored in overtime. So we have second loss in the playoffs at home for Tampa. They had only lost one game, no playoff run. Got beat last night in overtime. All right, there we go. A little hockey talk. You didn't see that coming. There, we're always giving you curveballs. Now, I, I'm thrilled to have Damo on because Damo knows, as you mentioned, Hall of Fame voter. So he knows the history of the NFL very well. And I love when we have guys who understand the history on. So I want to ask Damo if he knew that the Eagles were able to get a Hall of Fame level safety 
on June 17th for a one-year contract because there are some Eagles fans that tell us, Paul Davowich, that Jaquaski Tart is Ronnie Lott uh, of a different generation. Why? Why? <laughs> Number one, explain to the fan base what it means to be on the market mid-June getting a one-year deal. It means that there's not a lot of uh, a lot of suitors out there for your services, especially for a long-term contract. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't see much Ronnie Lott in in Jaquiski. <laughs> My heart did not race when they uh, when they signed him. I mean, he had some depth, but uh, I mean, what he's got four career interceptions. I think uh, doesn't defend. You know, he hasn't knocked doesn't knock down many passes. And what he does, I mean, you can't do anymore. I mean, you know, guys like you know, guys like Ronnie Lott and Brian Dawkins can't wouldn't be able to do what they did in their prime because yeah. it's not allowed yeah. anymore. And, and same thing with Tart. But he, I mean, he. he he has some depth to that position, but he's not a difference maker, certainly. And John is uh, only giving you the feedback that we've been getting. Fans or uh, a portion oh, of yeah. the fans are getting all excited about him. Um, I'm not sure why. And uh, we've kind of had some fun with Mr. Tart over the last couple of years. But I'm I got to get give... locked before I even get to meet the guy, Jody. Uh, that's true, too. You 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 do have to concern yourself with that. I don't care if Kwiski Tart ever blocked me. Um but I got to give the general manager credit here because he's checked all the boxes. Not all with pro bowl level, although some think Jaquiski Tart is of that level uh, type players. But we knew what the Eagles' needs were during this offseason, what they needed to reinforce positionally. And Howie Roseman has made at least some effort and some acquisition at every position. We've been saying now for weeks, well, there's still a light of safety. At least they got another guy to come in and compete at safety. I think Howie Roseman has had a hell of an offseason. Damo, how would you uh, rate rank the offseason Howie Roseman is at? He's had a good one. I mean, you know, it's to be determined on how these guys perform. But when you look at it on paper, you're right. He's checked all the boxes. He's he's strengthened positions that are seemingly strengthened positions that needed to be strengthened, given, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts more weapons, uh, you know, I mean, the, the A.J. Brown move will probably, you know, really stands out right now. Uh, Jordan Davis drafting him, I think, was a, a tremendous move. I think he's going to be an immediate difference maker. So, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't put him on on Mount Rushmore like my former colleague Marcus Hayes did the other day, but uh, on the Eagles Mount Rushmore. But uh, he's had a good offseason. He has had a good offseason. I think that's fair to say. And, and I do want to sort of um, uh, hone down on the safety position and, and moving forward. And I've kind of described it like this, Tom, and I, I want to get your thoughts on, on how it might go. I think there's about a 50-50 chance um, come September 11th that Tart is a starting safety for the Eagles in Detroit. I also think there's about a 20, 15, 20% chance he's not even on the team. Um, and he's and he's cut by September 11th in Detroit. And we've seen this with previous years with Will Parks, got cut early in the season. Andrew Sandejo got cut midway through the season. Jonathan Cyprian, they traded for. He didn't make it to week one. 
Andrew Adams last year. Um, they signed. He didn't make it to week one. Um, you think that's sort of uh, 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 a common sense landscape for the safety position? It'll be a legitimate competition with Anthony Harris, Marcus Epps, Tart, and the loser might be out of here. It won't be Epps, but it might be Harris. It might be Tart. Yeah, I think that's possible. Although I, I think they want to have depth there in case somebody gets hurt. So, um, you know, I don't think they'll be quick. Uh, Tart's not making a ton. I forget what his one-year deal is for, but. Uh, not out there yet. I yeah. assume it's going to be the veteran minimum, but, yeah. or, or so, a little bit more. Yeah. It's not killing them. You know, we, we still don't quite know how, you know, how Jonathan Gannon is going to use these guys, not just his safeties, but his entire defense this year with all the new moving parts. Uh, you know, are they going to play a lot of three safety um, in nickel packages? Uh, if they are, it increases the chances of none of them, none of those guys getting cut. So uh, it'll be interesting because, you know, I really think Gannon has a team that he can, you know, with versatile moving parts this year, they're going to make that defense a lot less predictable than it was last year. One last safety question for you. Uh, we've run down the three veteran guys, um, and uh, we're now getting dangerously close to being uh, able to call Kavon Wallace a veteran guy, but we still think of him as a young guy, uh, and because of that, and because he was a draft pick of, of the Eagles, uh, that's probably going to give him a little bit more slack, a little bit more wiggle room. Could Kavon Wallace be bad enough that he's the odd man out? if they want to keep uh, an Andre Sachere for uh, defensive uh, special teams purposes, or if a guy like Reed Blankenship shows real well, I don't think they'll keep him on the roster. I think they'll want to keep him on the practice squad. Uh, is Kavon Wallace a lock to make the Eagles roster? No, I don't think he's a lock. Uh, and I, he's been a disappointment uh, for me, at least, even though, I mean, he wasn't a, you know, a, a first or second day pick. You know, I watched him at Clemson. Uh, he came in with what, like, fifty-five games played at a at a at a power conference school. I really thought he was going to. I thought he was a great pickup. And you know, he's he's either been hurt or not played very well. You know, so it's. I mean, it, it's going to come if, he, if he's going to be the third or fourth safety. It's going to come down to which one of those guys can contribute the most on special teams. You know. Kayvon can be a good special teams player. So I think he's got that going for him. But as far as being a, a, a every down player, he, he's running out of time. He's going to have to show it this summer or he becomes expendable if he can't convince them that he, that he can be a difference maker on special teams. Yeah. You can see the Eagles looking for a role in the 15 minutes. I got to see him this spring. Uh, Damo. Mm -hmm. They're trying to make Kayvon the, the personal protector for Aaron Sipas, which was really uh, Rodney McLeod's job. Um, yeah. And so you can see they're trying to find a space for him. Um, and, you know, they don't want to give up on draft picks, even fourth rounders. But I do think it's sort of a make or break summer for him. But you mentioned the three safety look. You know, that became kind of a big deal with Jim, Jim Swartz. But, you know, then again, he had Malcolm Jenkins, who we could move all over the place and play anywhere. Um, with this group, I start to think to myself, well, what about linebacker now? How does that affect it? Because now you have uh, Kaiser White, you have Nicobe Dean, and who knows how healthy he's going to be, at least early in the season. But 
Davion Taylor, who this team seems to like and everybody forgets about. Um, and then, of course, T.J. Edwards. So for the first time in a long time, they have some capable bodies, at least at linebacker. You think that changes the thinking in the back seven when it comes to, to packages? It does. Uh, you know, I mean, because, I mean, and you can, you know, you can throw in Reddick there too, because there'll be times, I mean, he's, they signed him mainly to rush the passer, but he'll be used in, you know, off, off the ball uh, occasionally, you know, the guys it hurts. I mean, this is where Tart, uh, Tart's future could be in doubt. If there's, if, if you're looking at a guy that, like you said earlier, that if he doesn't show something in the training camp could get cut because Tart's not a guy. Tart's a guy you could see as a quasi linebacker. Uh, but if they're, you know, if their linebackers play the way they hope, they don't really need that. Uh, so, you know, it'll be interesting. Uh, Damo, John just did a uh, column for jacobsports.com about Aaron Sipas and the fact that he has zero competition for the Philadelphia Eagles right now. Um, and I sit here and wonder about it. John wrote a very good column about it. I need your take on it. Nick Sirianni last year, in his first year as coach, and we all know he had the poor first introductory press conference, but he got better at putting his message out there through the media, and he was actually, in my estimation, pretty good at it by the end of the year. One of the yeah. things he harped on from day one, from the first press conference, competition, 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 and he's got all these goofy competitions of shooting baskets <laughs> and this, that, and the other thing, and I, that's like one of his core values is competition. Why the hell don't they have any competition for Aaron Teapots? Good question, Jody. Uh, he did nothing last year that, uh, in my opinion, and I'm sure yours, uh, earned him the right to be the only punter on the roster right now. Uh, you know, I mean, he was disappointing. Uh, you know, that was one of the – you talk about the moves that, that kind of backfired on them, letting their old punter who's uh, go to Houston. Uh, you know, I thought that kid's going to be one of the top punters in the, in the, in the yeah. game. Um, CPOS was inconsistent last year when, you know, he had some solid kicks, but he also had a lot of shanks too many. You just couldn't count on him in some critical situations. So not to, for him not to have competition. I still think at some point here, they're going to bring in somebody else. Uh, they just kind of want to see what's out there at the last minute. Yeah. We had your buddy, uh, and fellow hall of fame voter, John McLean on, and, and he mentioned Damo that, you know, uh, when Nick came into Houston, Nick Cesario, he signed like 100 players, but he gave them all one-year deals, two-year deal. Cam was the only one who got, got yeah. a, a, a lengthier deal. The Texans love him. And I think it's interesting. I go back to Dave Bipp, and Dave would say, well, you're not competing day-to-day -day with somebody, but you're competing. We're watching other people in other yeah. camps. And Turned out to be true because the Eagles were watching Aaron Sipas, who was battling in Detroit with Jack Fox, who turned into mm -hmm. a Pro Bowl punter. And he was good enough that they kept him around. That was obviously COVID, you know, still COVID times, but where COVID was a bigger deal. And, you know, everybody was a failed test away from missing a game. So it made some sense to keep an extra punter, extra kicker, whatever, on a practice squad. But I look at it from the Eagles' perspective, and I think it was the Super Bowl season, Damo, where they brought in Cam to compete with Donnie Jones, and he almost won the job. 
And basically, Cam said, I remember talking to him. They told me he wasn't good enough as a holder. Go work on it. Uh, they kept in, 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 in touch with him. Obviously, they win the Super Bowl. Donnie retires, comes back to play for, I think, the Chargers. But they gave the job to Camp Johnson because they saw him every day competing with a good punter, a really good punter. And Cam turned into a really good punter. Yeah. And and that's my point with CPOS. They found him because he was competing with a really good punter every single day, and he got better. Not competing, you know, because he was in a different city. Every single day, watching Jack Fox punt, same thing with Cam, with Donnie Jones. Why isn't this dawned on the Eagles? Who cares? 89th, 90th spot on the roster, bring in a stinking punter. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with, you've got these expanded practice squads. Uh, you, you know, take advantage of it. I mean, that's that's one area where it, would, it, it pays to to have him have a guy sitting there just in case you're really, you know, CPOS either, you know, just has a run of bad kicks. Whether it is hold, you know, whether you start to question his ability to hold, um, things like that. There's a couple of guys on the back end of the Eagle roster. They're at 90 right now that I would say, yeah, their chances of making the team are so slim. Why yes. are they here and another punter is not? All right. Guy who's definitely going to be on the team is uh, their running back, uh, Mr. Miles Sanders. None of us know exactly how the running back situation is going to play itself out. We know how the Eagles used it last year. Came into the season. We're going to be pass happy. Didn't quite work out, turned into run happy, worked pretty damn well, got him into the playoffs. It's the same three-headed monster coming into the year. <clears throat> they may have to clear one of those 90-man roster spots, get Jordan Howard in here at some point, because they always seem to bring him back and add him to the mix. Uh, but Miles Sanders is the guy who sits atop the pile. Is it going to stay that way all year? Is he going to be, even if they're going to a complimentary back system, I don't think there's any chance for any of the Eagle backs to be quote-unquote, a bell cow. How do you think Miles Sanders comes into this camp a month from now uh, as far as what he needs to achieve to get to where he wants to go with his career going forward, be it here in Philadelphia or anywhere else? I think Sanders is going to dictate that uh, to a great degree. I mean, if he comes out of the box and <clears throat> as dynamic as a, as a runner, uh, you know, contributes to the passing game, helps uh, Jalen improve his Completion percentage, I think his playing time will continue to increase. But I, you know, I think Kenny Gainwell is going to be a bigger part of this offense this year uh, because, I mean, because of his pass catching skills, because of the fact that you can line him up anywhere. Uh, you can sort of do that with Miles, but you, you know, he's not the, he's not the receiving back that Gainwell is. Um, and 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 the thing that concerns me with Sanders is that. You know, we're three years into his career and he still doesn't like running inside. Uh, everything has to go outside with him. And that just frustrates the hell out of me. And I'm sure it frustrates the hell out of his coaches. So, you know, that's why I still think this could be it for, you know, that the, the Miles may not see a second contract here. Yeah, Miles is such an interesting uh, player to me because I think he's gone through these phases as a rookie. Damo, I think everybody was way too excited about Miles and, you know, his potential to be a franchise back. And now, a couple of years later, I'm defending the guy. I think, you know, people are unrealistic 
and even I, I kind of was surprised. I, I started to look into the numbers and Jody knows, um, Jody always likes to say the 2020, what did the NFL call it? The biggest season in history. Oh, last uh, year. Yeah. Because biggest there were 17 ever. Yeah. Uh, which is factually game, correct so <laughs> because they played 17 games. So even they played an extra game, Damo, they played an extra game. There were seven running backs in the entire NFL that ran for a thousand yards, seven, seven. Mm-hmm. And if, if you take Jonathan Taylor, there were two over 1250 Taylor, obviously, you know, exploded over 1800 yards. Then it goes down to Nick Chubb at 1,259. Now, Derrick Henry would have been there if he didn't get hurt, but he did get hurt. Um, My point is kind of being bell cow backs really don't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. There's Taylor. There's Henry. There's Cook if he stays healthy. So I went back to last three seasons. I think there's four guys that have had 1,500-yard seasons. Henry. Taylor, Cook, and I forget uh, uh, the last one. That's it. What what do people expect with modern running backs? If you get to a thousand, to me with Miles, you mentioned it's all about he's got to he's got to be more consistent as a as a pass catcher. He's got to be more consistent as a pass protector. He does kick it outside too much, mm-hmm. but he averaged five and a half yards of stinking carry which led the NFL for running backs. Now I'm in the camp of are people expecting too much out of Miles Sanders? The biggest thing to me is he's got to be on the field. If he's on the field and he's not missing four or five games, he's fine. Yeah, I mean, he needs to stay healthy. Um, You know, they've got – I mean, this should be, again, one of – you know, regardless of whether it's Miles with the ball, Gainwell – the rookie from Oklahoma, whoever's carrying it. I mean, this, they've got the, one of the best lines in the league in front of them. And they've yeah. also got a, they've got a quarterback that changes the whole concept of the running football, not only for the quarterback, but it opens lanes for, you know, for miles and Gainwell and those guys, because teams have to be aware of, of, of Jalen running with the ball. I mean, last year, I think he was, I want to say fifth in rushing first downs in the entire league. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that just changes the whole situation. And, you know, so you're right. I mean, people probably expect too much from Miles, including myself. Um, I, just, I would, I just like Gainwell because of what he brings to the passing game, because they have to get, they have to get Hertz's completion percentage up this year. That's one of the keys to him improving as a quarterback. And that means throwing to your backs. And that means them getting open besides just, you know, flaring out to the the flat for a pass. I mean, and that's why I like Gainwell a little bit more than Sanders, at least as a pass catcher. Hi, Damo. I want to tap into your overall league uh, opinion and information. Um, Maybe the most popular national reporter here in town, Josina Anderson. I kid because I can. Uh, Reported yesterday that her sources tell her the Seahawks have a significant interest in Baker Mayfield, which to me only makes sense. I couldn't believe Pete Carroll last week going, oh, no, we're good at quarterback. Geno Smith, uh, Drew Locke. Yeah, we're we're ready to go to war with them. Yeah, right, Pete. You're going to try and sell that. 
Uh, right. It only makes sense that they would have interest in Baker Mayfield. Do you buy Josina's report? Do you think that the Seahawks are going to make a play for Baker Mayfield? I know uh, some national guys like Matt Verderam, who we had on here last week, said, oh, no, he thinks the Browns are going to keep Baker because the, su- the suspension is going to be significant to their, their quarterback, Deshaun Watson, and they'd rather go to war with Baker Mayfield, even as uncomfortable as it may be, rather than Jacoby Brissett. What's going to happen with Baker Mayfield? Is Seattle a landing spot? Well, I mean, the ball's in in Cleveland's court right now, Jody. Uh, you know, the set. The, what's he, he settled? I think Watson settled twenty of twenty four lawsuits uh, at this point. So it seems to you know they're not going to let him go into this season without a, the league without some sort of decision on the suspensions. You know, I think he's going to get a big, big suspension, like ten games, like twelve games. Maybe it gets reduced at some point. The question now for Cleveland is, are they, you know, they've got Jacoby Brissett. Is, is, is that, do, do they want, are they, would they be willing to do that and trade uh, Mayfield or do they want to have that insurance? It's an awkward, it would be the most awkward relationship in, in football this year, certainly. Uh, but it, it would serve both of them for him to stay there. Uh, if, if Watson gets, suspended because what if you go with Brissett? you got nobody else uh so if you keep mayfield you can start mayfield and have Brissett in you know in reserve um you know they've had an opportunity to trade him to several teams including carolina uh so and that hasn't happened so i don't know if they're what they've been asking you know seattle certainly is a landing spot but you know everything i've heard about pete this year is that he wants to get back to running the football he doesn't want a quarterback that – I mean, he got tired of Russell Wilson, essentially, the way he plays. And, and the fact that Russell wanted to throw the ball more. That's not the way Pete wants to play. Well, if you don't have a particularly good quarterback, you can do that. Or if you've got a Baker Mayfield, you can play that way. So I, I would think that, you know, he'd be on their radar. I just don't know – It's it, like I said, it's, it's in Cleveland's court right now. Tomo, uh, curious – if you watched any of the Roger Goodell appearance at the U.S. House Committee on Oversight and Reform, or as I like to call it, the dog and pony show, what the heck is going on with this stinking country that they're dragging up the commissioner of the NFL? Well, virtually, but you but you get the point. And they're rehashing the plate gate and, you know, we got we got lackeys for Dave Portnoy out there uh, acting like they're congressmen. Uh, what 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 is going on? A from an NFL perspective, but more so, why the heck with all the problems in this particular country right now? Do, are we wasting time with Roger Goodell, who doesn't have control over the owners? Do people not understand this simple fact? He has control over the players. He works for the owners. Am I, 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 is it that difficult to understand, or is it just me? I mean, from the standpoint of Congress, John, I mean, it's strict. These, these kind of things are strictly grandstand plays. You know, Ugh. Congress people that, that want to get attention, especially before an election, you know, do stuff like this uh, while more important issues are being ignored or being, you know, 
pushed off. Uh, I see where the, the, you know, I mean, yesterday Biden uh, announces he wants to, you know, have a gas a tax holiday on gas. And, you know, two hours later, Mitch McConnell's calling it a gimmick and says it's not going to get passed. So, I mean, that's what's happening from the Congress side. You know, from the NFL side, they would love to get rid of this clown, uh, Daniel Snyder, uh, but they can't. And I, yeah. I, it, it, it's kind of, it's kind of uh, amusing because they certainly had an easy time getting rid of Jerry Richardson for a lot less uh, at, a, at offenses than than Daniel Snyder is facing. Um, and, and now, you know, so I, I you know, it's just. The, but is it the difference? Jerry was a little bit, you know, Jerry was getting older and kind of accepted it and didn't want to fight. Whereas Daniel Snyder doesn't feel like leaving. And, you know, if you got a guy who doesn't feel like leaving, it becomes more difficult uh, to remove him. But I think you're right. Everybody would like him out. Right. Except maybe the competitors, uh, the Eagles, the Cowboys and the Giants. They like the mess that the Washington commanders are. But I, I guess I guess the bigger point is the assumption it's always been I, I and Jody knows I call Roger Goodell the, the highest paid lightning rod in the NFL. People uh, in the world, not the NFL, the highest paid lightning rod, people don't understand he's there to take the hits for the owners. Mm-hmm. And, and and there's this assumption in the public that, oh, Roger Goodell can get Daniel Snyder out of there. Like he can uh, suspend Deshaun Watson, which is also not true now with the new CBA. It's not the same. And I guess my point is why can't people understand that he works at the behest of the owners? He doesn't control the owners. Yeah. And you know, uh, you know, over the past several years, there have been several times when you've heard people, I, I, I'm trying to think what the issues were, but, you know, people would say, well, he can't survive this. Well, sure he can, because like you said, he's the one they want out there taking the blame yeah. and the heat for all of this and just so that it won't get to the owners. Uh, you know, there's a reason he's making, what, $60 million a year, which, <laughs> which is like totally absurd, but, but as far as the owners are concerned, it's worth it because, you know, because Roger's going to take the heat for everything. Um, and he, and he does, and, and what he does in addition to that is make them a lot of money. So, uh, you know, he's going to be there until he wants to not be there, which, you know, could be a couple of years, could be another 10 years. So um, you're right. I mean, people should understand the situation. I, it's interesting with the, with the Watson thing, because, you know, with the new CBA, they changed the, the yeah, this change uh, you know where Goodell is not going to have any say in the suspension it's they've got two neutral arbitrators who will make a decision one of them will make a decision on what kind of suspension uh, to give Watson after you know the investigation presumably is done I guess there's still some stuff yeah. going on but even that's funny Damo because the new setup so they have the independent and that's going to be Sue Robinson so the NFL and the NFLPA can both recommend suspensions. So it could be, you know, 12 games a year, whatever. Each yeah. side can recommend something, but it's Sue's decision. At that point, they can appeal. Either side can appeal. 
So if they don't like it for whatever reason, the NFL is looking for a heavy suspension, by the way. So if it's six games, they'll probably appeal. If it's 12 or 16 or 17, a full season, the NFLPA will probably appeal because it's their job to bite for the players. Um, At that point, then it goes back in the hands of Roger Goodell. The appeal. He's in control of the appeal. So (laughs) it's so convoluted. It makes no sense. But that's where we are. Just just venting. You're right about the. I mean, the NFL is 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 just furious. I mean, they obviously are are, are, are sickened by Watson's uh, actions, but they are just furious with Cleveland for oh, a, yeah. signing him to a guaranteed, fully guaranteed contract, which has put pressure on other teams like Baltimore, which is going to have you know is feeling the heat to do the same thing for Lamar Jackson and other quarterbacks down the road here, and 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 also the way they structured that contract where he's only getting 1 million of that 230 million this year. So that if he is suspended for 10 games, it's, it's chump change. It's 10 games. It's 10 games. And and, and you know what else, Damo, I forget who brought this up, but it was a good point. If you remember Jody, Uh, the chargers are coming up with Justin Herbert and the Bengals are coming up with Joe Burrow. And those teams are cash poor per NFL standards. Yeah. And you need to put every cent of guaranteed money in the escrow. And if just, if I'm Justin Herbert, I'm asking for 250 million guaranteed. If I'm Joe Burrow, I'm asking for 250 Lamar Jackson. I'm asking for 250 million guaranteed. Some of these teams don't have the money to do that. And Cincinnati and the Chargers might be at the top of that list. Which, which seems ironic to believe when you see the obscene amounts of money that, that the NFL is making right now. But some, there are some that are much richer than others. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the new Broncos guy is, I mean, is, is like twice as rich as anybody else in that league right now. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I mean, Cincinnati's a family business, uh, a rich family business, obviously. But so, I mean, I think what her, what the Chargers and the Bengals are going to end up doing, because both Herbert and Burrow can become they can they can negotiate a second deal after this season. But I think what you'll see both of those teams do, because they can't afford to, to do what the Browns did for for uh, Watson is they're going to let that contract play out and then probably uh, also go into his option year before they have to do something with regard to a, a contract. A second yeah, I contract. think it was Matt Verderam who brought it up on Monday about the uh, couple of teams being cash poor um, and having to deal with the new bar that's been set for quarterbacks in the league. All right, Dom, a last one for me. Um, for the guy who helped probably more than anyone else get Sam Mills into the Hall of Fame, um, and you knew him from his USFL days here in Philadelphia before he became a Hall of Fame player on the National Football League level. Big game this weekend, Damo. The Philadelphia oh, yeah. Stars against yeah. the New Jersey Generals, even though they've been playing all year in Alabama. Now they're going to play in Ohio at Canton for the uh, two playoff games. Give us the breakdown. Will the ghost of Sam Mills help the Philadelphia Stars beat the Jersey Generals this weekend? 
the ghost of Donald Trump probably will will uh, haunt the generals. So I, I put my money on the there. That's true. I, yeah, I, I, I honestly, I, I've honestly watched like ten minutes of that league yeah. this year. There's no Sam Mills on the reincarnation of the There's stars. Not. What a, what a, what a great team! I tell Jody all the time, and Dom, I know. What a great team the original stars was. So many good players. Jim Moore, the head coach. Um, and it, I, I was a little depressed when they they didn't even reboot the thing. They kind of stole the intellectual property and and restarted the USFL. But it's not the same. It's not the Philadelphia or Baltimore stars. They went to Baltimore at the end as well. But, yeah. man, there were so many good players on that team. There were. It's yeah, amazing. I really enjoyed – I mean – I've told people, and, and the players that played in that league feel the same way. It was like, especially for a, a team like the Stars, it was successful. That it was, you know, guys went to the NFL and played 10, 12 years, and still the most enjoyable time of their lives, their careers, was the three years they spent in Philadelphia uh, playing for the Stars. And I kind of felt the same way about covering them because it was so <laughs> much fun. It was early in my career. The access was like, I mean, compared to now – I mean, yeah. you, know, you could talk to anybody, anytime, uh, anywhere. Uh, it was just uh, so that's it was a different time. Man, I yeah. thought for sure you were heading out to Canton this weekend. Maybe you just see Sam Mills bus. Oh, by the way, they got a football game there. The Philadelphia Stars he's are got playing. A, yeah, he's Dama's yeah. got to be out there in August. And Dick Vermeil is going in as an eagle. How about Dick? Yeah, that's great. that's going to be great. There's that that town's going to be full of Philadelphians uh, busting in. Uh, traveling by car, plane, uh, tr uh, train, everything. Yeah, a lot of guys recently. Harold, uh, you know, got uh, obviously it got delayed a year, but uh, long overdue. And then Doc before then. So nice little run here for Eagles fans. So you're, wait a minute, you're you're telling me there'll be more Philadelphians for Vermeil's induction than there will be for the Stars this weekend, uh, playing against <laughs> Jersey Generals in That's Dan? A Come tough on. One. I, the, what's the what's the bus you can get for like fifteen dollars to go almost anywhere on the planet? What's the name of it again? The Gus bus? No, that's former coordinator. Gus Bradley. There is uh, a bus. Alto bus or whatever. Oh uh, man, I should know this, and it's escaping my memory. That's See, news to me. Either Jody. one of you guys I'm, take buses. I might I might look into that. That's news to me. Fifteen yeah, bucks. They got buses and... that run out of Philly, they go to New York. I, I, I'll look. I'll look it up during the break. Now we'll let you go. Prices Damn, are you pretty high. Around. Yeah, you can't. You can't. They got to charge at least thirty bucks now. I would think. No, I think there's this cheapy. I don't know. Uh Dama, we kept you for like uh, forty minutes. Yeah, Thank sorry, you very Dama. much sorry, for giving buddy. us almost your entire morning. Feel yeah. free to start prepping for the okay. big game, Stars against the Generals on Saturday. I'm going to get my rest. So I can go watch it. <laughs> Thanks, Tama. Well done. Well, you'll be doing stuff for us uh, when Eagle season rolls around. I'm JacobSports.com, and he's at P Damo on Twitter. I got to get that in there. At P Damo. Did we have Damo's Twitter. Twitter handle underneath him? While I don't he think he had it. I don't think he had it well, on there. Gonna, all right. That's that's at P Damo. Follow Damo on Twitter as well. All right, McMullen and McDonald coming back. We still got plenty to shake out in hour number two here on Birds 365.
to News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left. Fake them up. Mama, go up, mama! She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. We got hour number two coming your way. And uh, Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com, uh, former NFL coach scout, uh, is going to hop aboard here in about 15, 16 minutes from now. Um, I asked my wife during a commercial, got a uh, uh, coffee refill, and I asked her the name of the inexpensive bus company that uh, my, my daughter used every once in a while. Her roommate was from Pittsburgh at Temple, and she used to go back and forth between Pittsburgh and, and Philly all the time. The Bolt Bus. Bolt Bus? All right. Bolt Bus. You had never heard of it, Johnny Mac? I think I've seen it now that you say it. Okay. I think I've seen them out there, but I didn't know it was uh, I didn't know it was that cheap. Wow. So, yeah, my, nice. my wife remembered the name. Thank you for filling in the blanks, dear. Um, uh, Northeast cities, New York, Pittsburgh, uh, Boston, Philadelphia, and the like. Inexpensive tickets. I'll give you what it said right here at uh, Wikipedia. Uh, inner city bus common carrier operated low cost, non stop, limited stop 
premium level routes in the Northeast and Western United States and up in Canada. He unfortunately shut down in 2021. Ah, I just looked it up. I do. I have seen that bus and it shut down. That's a shame. 2008 to 2021. They tried to do it on the inexpensive side for low those many years. Probably had to do, it would definitely be dead in the water with the price of gas these yeah. days. And no That's shot of saying. being able to do yeah. it for the amount. My my daughter used to tell me that like if you buy the tickets well in advance, kind of it's based on the same line of logic with airlines tickets. Um, that uh, sometimes if you buy them well in advance, you can get them for a very specific discount. Like my, as I say, my daughter's roommate, college roommate would get like a round trip ticket to Pittsburgh on the bus for 10 bucks, wow, $5 nice. each way, the entire way across it. You, you, that, that's like one third of what you would pay in tolls, let yeah. alone how much you'd have to pay in gas if you got a car and drove it. But wow. if you bought your tickets way in advance, you could get very inexpensive. You know, the last the time, the last time you, you, the last time I went to Pittsburgh, so when was that? When the Eagles played? It was the COVID, because I know nobody was there. Um, um, I, you know, I drove out there because um, it's not, you know, at the time, gas wasn't absurd. But you talk about the tolls. You're doing it on 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 the per- Pennsylvania Turnpike. And I, of course, have easy pass, as uh, most people do nowadays. And you know, you don't know what you're you paying as you rip. You, you, you don't realize. But with Easy Pass, I found out from my trip to Pittsburgh, they they replenish. And I thought when I first joined way back, you know, I thought you got to pick the level of replenishment. You know, when it goes down to not when it goes down to whatever ten bucks or, you know, they put they take fifty bucks out of your account or whatever. It's not like that, Jody. They take out. They average what you do and they sort of, so if you're going over the bridge every day, like I do once training camp starts, yeah, I get to pay five bucks every day. It goes up. I think it's like 75 bucks they take out of my account. Well, one trip to across Pennsylvania and the next time my easy pass got replenished, they took 175 bucks out. I don't know what I paid on that stinking turnpike, but it was a lot. It was a lot to the point where they said, "Oh, McMullen's driving a lot more. We got to take 175 stinking dollars." I I couldn't believe it, and 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 you can't adjust it. You got to wait for the next time, and right. that the, the algorithm, their algorithm, figures it out. I'll um, tell you my I'll tell you my quick easy pass story. Then we'll get back to the Eagles. I promise, Eagles fans. Um, Yours really used to work in New York, up to New York every single day, six days a week, as yeah. a matter of fact. And I went up to Jersey Turnpike every single day. So I was saying with you, the amount that you use it is amount that they set the number that they take it out. And then I wasn't working in New York anymore. Yeah. And then I wasn't getting on the Jersey Turnpike every single day. Oh, but they continued to take out that same amount the next month and the next month. And the, at one point, I think I had like $900 built up in credit. <laughs> On easy pass because they just expected me to continue to use it. They don't double check and make once they get a locked in number, they just keep taking it out every single month. I had to call them and go, listen, stop taking money out of my card. I'm not going up and down the turnpike anymore. Oh, sorry, Mr. McDonald. And then they 
readjusted it uh, for me. But yeah, they kept doing it for months. And if my wife didn't catch it, they would have kept. I could have had like nine thousand dollars built up in Easy Pass credit. Uh, that is funny. All right, uh, Johnny, I do have a uh, question for you on the birds before we get uh, Chris Landry up here. Our good friends at Pro Football Focus. I uh, had an interesting article that I caught either yesterday or the day before. I don't remember which. Um, they, and this is very subjectively laid out. They evaluated the top 32 contracts. I guess they did one for every team in the National Football League in the NFL. Value of what it is signed for and what they project the player to be over however much is left in the contract. And they ranked the top 32 contracts in the National Football League. Two Eagles made the top 32, which is not bad because if it's 32 and everything were equal, everybody would have one. The Eagles actually have two. Uh, just value contracts as compared to uh, probable production. And this is all an estimate and all very subjective. Uh, but I actually thought they did a pretty nice job of it. Who do you think the two Eagles were that were valued out as one of the 32 best contracts in the National Football League? And where do you think they ranked in the one through 32 <clears throat> range? Well, number one, I want to know, is it did, did our guy Brad Spielberger did this? Maybe we should get him on the show next week because he tends to be their their cap guy. Um uh, so I'll be interested. I'll look it up to see if he wrote it. Maybe we can get him on to talk uh, about it. I got it here in front of me. It was done by Brad Spielberg. Yep. Yeah. So maybe we'll get him on to talk about it. I, I say right off the bat, I know one's going to be Jordan, Jordan Mylotta. That's probably going to be top five in the league because the Eagles got a bargain in that. Um, Not only is he top five. He is the number one contract ah, number in one. the National wow. Football League. Wow. The top yeah, I mean that valued contract is Jordan Mailata in the NFL. If he hit the open market, I mean, he would have just been astronomical, uh, the money he would have gotten. I, I think people don't realize. So to me, I'm going to say the other one. I, I say people don't understand how big that was. Jordan Mailata, uh Josh Sweat, Avante Maddox, Dallas Goddard, any of those four hit the open market. People do not realize how good those four contracts are. Now, if they turn out to be crappy players, right. it's, it's all been, projection yeah. at this point. But if they turn out to be what people think they are, uh, in the case of Jordan, obviously, uh, he is a massive bargain. So I agree 100% with Brad on that. So then I look at those other three, it's got to be one of those other three. Avante doesn't make enough money. So then it comes down to Josh Schwett or Dallas Goddard. I would assume he would go Goddard over Josh Schwett, uh, but it's very close. The Josh Schwett deal is also a really good deal. So I would say one of those two, I, I would lean towards Goddard. 
And you would be correct, McMullen. Very good by you. Uh, the 31st best contract, as per Brad Spielberg, on the books in the NFL, it's uh, Dallas Goddard, his four-year $57 million deal. It's actually a damn good list, and we do get Brad on from time to time. Maybe we'll try and get him up next week. Uh, I'll just give you the uh, highest-ranked ones. My lot of number one, Mike Evans of Tampa, number two. He's got two years left at $28 million. The best wide receivers are now making 25 per, so he's got two years to go at eight at 14. Uh, so, yes, I can see where that absolutely fits. Darren Waller, who's making less than Dallas Goddard and has uh, done a little bit more, improved a little bit more. He's got two years and 14 million to go. Seven million for maybe the most athletic tight end in the National Football League. Understood. Cortland Sutton, four years. $60 million. It's certainly less than the top flight wide receivers are, but he's not a top flight wide receiver. Uh, I guess he's a bigger fan of Cortland Sutton than I am. I think it's a good contract, not a great one. Rob Havenstein from the Rams, offensive lineman. Offensive linemen are so tough to rate because there's not as applicable stats that you could just put with the player, but he is a great player. So uh, that makes sense. And number six, this is the one I wanted to get to. Patrick Mahomes, who's only got $450 million to go on his deal. Man. But yeah, I'm, believes- uh, by the way, I'm surprised, Jody, that Patrick's not higher on his list because. Really? Yeah, because, well, that's what people are going to see. The splashiness of the, what was it, 10 years, whatever 10 years, he got. 450. Yeah. I mean, people see that, but that's agent talk. The way they structured that thing. Mahomes is way underpaid uh, compared, especially, I mean, everything's about timing and circumstance, as we always say. If you're the next, you're going to get the most money. We were talking about Herbert and Burrow coming up. Um, that, you know, if you just look at 10 and four, 450, yeah, it looks bad. But um, if you if you dive into the nuts and bolts of that thing, that is very, very team friendly, as team friendly as it can possibly be for a superstar quarterback. I mean, you got to pay him. He's Patrick Mahomes, but it's not nearly as bad as that headline would 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 indicate. And there's all these sort of points that if he does for some reason just totally tank, they can get the heck out of it. I mean, it was really. Uh, I'd have to pull up the the contract and. I don't have time to go through it all, but it was really an inventive deal from Kansas City's perspective in the fact that I thought more, in fact, I thought more people would would copy it for the top tier quarterbacks. And um, he, he kind of left money on the table, believe it or not, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, but he at an, at an early age, a young age, he got, uh, his the rest of his life guaranteed, which is never a bad thing. But uh, as you go through it, if you continue to stay at that level, you go, damn, I guess I'm a little on the cheap side. Uh, but Mahomes' contract didn't make the list, as did Brady's, which is interesting, the different dynamics of the two uh, type deals. One is a 10-year deal going forward for a decade. He thinks Brady's one-year deal uh, this year just to play quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and it's $25 million which is not chump change, but when you got Aaron Rodgers making 50 million, you say Tom Brady's only worth half of what Aaron Rodgers is. 
Yeah, I guess I get it that uh, even at 25 million, Brady's contract is a bit of a bargain for the Bucks. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a guy who's been underpaid for years, let's be honest. Um, uh, and, you know, he's got to get more money to call football games than to play them. So how silly is that? But, um, yeah, if anything, Tom Brady's been a bargain throughout his whole career, to be honest, when you consider the success on top of it. And the fact that, hey, I mean, he's Tom Brady. He make more money off the field. His wife makes more money than he does. Um, he does have the competitive nature. A lot of reasons why Tom Brady is Tom Brady is never going to happen again. We always talk about it from the from the from the football perspective. It's not going to happen again. But even more so, if you could find another Tom Brady who could play at that level into his mid forties, which is extremely unlikely. You would never be able to find a guy that has been selfless enough to not go for, you know, Aaron Rodgers' money. What did Aaron Rodgers get? Um, you know, fifty million a year, but it's like a hundred million over three years in real money. Tom never did that for whatever yeah. reason. But the reason why I wanted to just make note of that list was give kind of give you credit, our buddy Brad Spielberg, but you credit as well, John. You've harped on all off season. People don't give Howie Roseman credit for the Jordan Mylotta, for the Josh Sweat, for the Dallas Goddard contract extensions. It's the same thing as getting a free agent. You're just not allowing the process to get out of control. You're making that decision a little at a time. And you can either get it right or get it wrong. To this point, it looks like how he got those very right. Yeah. And if you uh, agree with uh, the the rankings in Pro Football Focus, he's got two of the top 32 contracts in the entire National Football League. That's pretty good to get done in one offseason. All right. Uh, Jody McDonald and John McMullen, the MAGA Mac guys here on Birds 365. We'll be joined by one of our favorite analysts next, uh, former NFL scout and coach. Uh, now the guy who puts Landry football together, podcasts are plenty. He's going to hop aboard with us on Birds 365. Chris Landry, next. News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Thank you, Mama. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Appreciate you streaming on in here on Birds 365. You got the Mac and Mac guys. Uh, we're going to have a fun final half hour with our next guest. He's been on with us before, and whenever he comes on, he brings tremendous amounts of knowledge. Uh, he's been busy since the draft because National Football League teams are still picking his brain. We get a chance to do just that here for a couple of minutes on Birds 365. Former NFL scout and coach. Uh, Chris Landry, he of LandryFootball.com, joins us here on Birds 365. You get to take a breath after the draft, Mr. Landry? Uh, no, it just kind of refocuses a little bit. Once the draft is over, you know, the, the final day of the draft, it's it's the busiest because you really are working on a lot of free agent stuff, a lot of undrafted free agents. And then, you know, I think that's – it then it really shifts for me in the work that I do as a still working in the league as a consultant and, and all the college work, it shifts. So maybe some of the NFL stuff dies down, but then I've got, you know, the college football transfer portal and, you know, a lot of the stuff that goes on this time of year, it, it's, it's not much of a downtime. And <laughs> right now I'm looking at, man, it's what going to be the end of June this week, really? And, I mean, it's yeah. July, July 4th, and usually July 4th is when you say, hey, training camps are a couple of weeks away, and we're all at it again. Yeah, it, it creeps on up on you quickly, Chris. It's, it, it's interesting because personnel in the NFL is so uh, interesting to me uh, from the dichotomy of sort of building teams. And uh, you've been there. You still consult with teams. I, I always – I, I love asking people like you, how how easy is it for organizations to be realistic about where they are in the process? In other words, you know, there are certain teams that know they're contenders. They know the window is open. They know they got to go for it. They got to try to win. And there's other teams, and I would look at the New York Giants maybe in Seattle being the most obvious right now kind of know that, all right, it's time to rebuild a little bit. You know, the Giants made the shift and uh, at GM and, and, and the Seahawks moved on from Russell Wilson. In your experience, how easy, it, easy is it for teams to admit we're not ready, basically? Well, I can't speak for everybody because, quite frankly, some people uh, it's a little bit harder. I think what's changed in from the time that I started in the league a long time ago to now, the biggest thing that's changed is the public perception and the public scrutiny is greater. Yeah. And it gets to the owner and, and what I would call the non-football people part of it that just placate to the media. I mean, the best organizations, to be honest with you, is the one that has the owner and says, I don't give a darn about what the fans say, what the media says. We're going to do – what's best for the organization and not placate. Well, let's 
get rid of this guy. Let's get rid of that guy. And, you know, we, we did what you wanted. Fresh start. You sell a fresh start and you're just selling, you know, fool's gold because you're just hoping that the next move works. When in reality, if you take a long range approach, you'd be surprised if you take the long range approach of trying to build a team you might end up getting there quicker than even you anticipated. What I mean by that is the biggest problem you have, and you know the organizations that switch over all the time, they're never the, – the chances of being successful are so minimal, and the reason is they never commit to anything. It's like building a house. You got the foundation, you put the studs, and then you decide halfway, you know, you, you got the wife that says, ah, I want the bathroom over there. You, you start <laughs> over and you never move in. I mean, the Detroit Lions, I mean, God bless them. You know, they never stay, they, we're going to do it completely different. Well, then everything you did for three years that some of what could have worked is just, it's gutted and you start over from scratch again. Sometimes being patient and working through the tough times and sticking, staying the course is going to end up in the better rate. So to the answer to your question is a lot of organizations now just succumb to the, well, we've got a, well, the fans are the, the season tickets and the sweet holders and there's the, well, then, you know, they're going to be complaining and, and, three, four years when your next move doesn't work and then you look like the idiot because you've hired, you know, five guys. I mean, I, I just think the stability of an organization from an ownership standpoint, upper management standpoint, is critically important because as a football guy, you can try to explain to them, but if you don't have their commitment, then what do you do? And now, so it filters down. If you are going to make a decision and you're running a team and you're coaching a team and you know that you got to win now, you're going to make decisions that are not for the best of your organization. It's for the best of your job security short term. And you should not put people in a situation where they're choosing. It should be all in. No, we're all in. We're going to win. We're going to give you time. We're going to do it there's a point in time where you got to cut bait when it's not getting done, but it's got to be more than just the wins and losses. It has to be the understanding of, are you following the plan that you set forth? Are you, you know, what we call plan du jour, where you, you try this and you try something else. Well, then you say, look, this guy is just grasping at straws. We got to move on. But if you have a solid foundation that you believe in, it's going to work. I mean, I, I think the team that's probably done that the best has been the Steelers. Well, they haven't won, you know, long time since they've won multiple Super Bowls, but they're always competitive. And now, they're, you know, so I, I just think that if you're in a position to do that, you can be you can be somewhat competitive. And, you know, that you don't want to take as long as, say, the Cincinnati Bengals and then get into Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and then, oh, it, it and they've got a, 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 a number of other pieces, sometimes that takes too long. But I think that's the difficulty of today is, you know, you used to have a little bit more time because the media scrutiny wasn't as much as it is today. And um, I, I think it is. And I think it's to the detriment of successful run organizations. No, hey, Chris, you were good enough to come on with us a couple of times before the draft, leading up to the draft and right before the draft. Haven't had you on since. 
the Eagles, a month out uh, from the draft, had 10 draft picks going into the NFL draft. They end up making five picks because they use those picks to move up, to acquire a big-time player like A.J. Brown. So we judge the Eagle draft a couple of different ways. I want you to just judge it on five picks, whether it was plus, whether it was minus, whether they should have uh, added more picks or they should have done less picks. Just give me your evaluation on the five players, where they took them, and how much they're going to be able to step in and contribute year one, year two, year three, whatever. Give me your evaluation of the five guys that the Eagles took in this past draft as far as value goes. Well, first of all, before I do that, it's, it's, I'm a big believer in this. This is a boring take, I know, but this this is reality in the football world. You don't know how drafts pan out to three years down the road. So grading draft now is just <laughs> it's fine. I mean, they're, they're drafts that I was, you know, shaking my head. I wish I could have got that guy. And it, and it turned out you know, better than I in it than if I had got it the way I wanted and I've had the others. So you, you don't really know. And there's so many things you can't really separate shopping for the groceries and cooking the meal, you know, drafting the players, acquiring players, and then utilizing them in developing. So let's just take Jordan Davis, for example. Let's just go cut to the chase, just go to the players and, and do that. Could they have done something else? Yeah, there's a lot of things, but some of that we don't know how doable it was. Jordan Davis is an intriguing player. He is was a, a big, um, powerful, uh, underrated athletic guy. The key here is, is he going to be a great three-down player or a great two-down player? If he's not a great three-down player, then it probably wasn't worth all what they did because the guy the guy was a really good player at Georgia for how they used him you know they're a they're a build a wall front and you know he's going to have to keep his weight in check he has athletic traits that would indicate he can push the pocket and rush a little bit better from the interior than he was asked to do in college if he can do that it's going to turn out to be a really you know, he's going to be a really good player. Is it going to be worth all the surrenders? Well, you know, again, you're surrendering guys that you don't know who you would have gotten, but there's a lot of players that potentially people are going to cherry pick and say, we could have had this guy and that guy. So I look at Jordan Davis as a guy that's going to be potentially a really, really good player or a great one. And But to me, if he's a two-down guy that you got that, that can't be effective on third down, then you've given up, you know, too much for him because he's not going to have the type of impact relative to what they gave up for him. Um, you know, Cam Jurgens is is an intriguing guy as well. He's on a smaller side, but he's got the speed, the quickness that is really good to get out on the second level. I think he plays with good leverage and I, I think was, you know, it can be bull rushed. You're going to have to protect them a little bit there. I thought, you know, it was a, um, you know, a nice pick, you know, I probably would have done something different there. But, again, that's it's a good player that I think is going to make it. Like N'Kobe Dean a lot. Um, you know, he's he's a he really was a, an instinctive player. He is an athletic guy. He steps over trash. He's got great speed to close. Um, he doesn't have great size, but, boy, he can really, really run. Um, you know, um, 
he he drops well into coverage. Um, you know, I, I think he's he's it's probably what he does as good as any. So he's got great great value there. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, Kyron Johnson. Kyron uh, Johnson and uh, um, Grant Calcaterra. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, the Johnson, um, you know, did a really good job for Kansas this past year. He's a uh, a really instinctive um, ball hawk guy. He really uh, reads, reacts very well. Um, he's a depth guy for them. Um, Calcaterra uh, from SMU. Um, he's a guy. He retired um, after some injuries at Oklahoma, and then decided to come back. I the the biggest thing with him is health. I think he would have gone higher. Uh, so you're dealing with a guy that you don't know about longevity here, but uh, he has size, speed, and he's a really good receiver. Uh, he can be a guy that can be that type of guy. I just, you know, that can be a real impact player in the passing game um, behind Goddard. Just the help is going to be the key. So um, I miss anybody. I'm trying to think. No, that's uh, it. No, you got that's, them all. That's the guys, five. Yeah. Uh, Want to dive a little deeper, Chris, with with Davis for this reason, with Jordan Davis, because uh, the Eagles kind of behind the scenes have told me that, you know, all right, if I think everybody wants him to turn into a three down player, um, and certainly that's what you're always uh, ascribing to, but if he turns out to be the B to B a type run stuffer, and all of a sudden you know, third and two turns into third and eight because he got that that big body in the middle. He's still having an impact on on the game on third downs. That's kind of how the Eagles have framed it. Is that you mentioned public perception? Is that a little too esoteric for people? Like they're not going to realize the impact that player has on the game, maybe if he's not on the field, if he's not making the play, um, is, is that kind of stuff too outside the box and, and it's just not, I guess, well, yeah, in the no, sky. I, I got yeah. you. Well, here, here's the thing, guys. If he's a really good two down player and he's that, you could have got that type of guy in the fourth round, not Jordan Davis, but you can get run stuffers that are that big that can play the run he's going to have to be a really good player on third down or, you know, relative to where they took him and what they gave up to get him. Then to me, you know, and I think he will be. Okay. So I, I, I'm, I'm all for it, but yeah. if he doesn't no, you know, you don't, you know, you don't say, well, I mean, cause you play well in your fourth, third and eights, but you win in third downs in this league and first downs and second downs, stopping the run is really important. So if he's great at doing that, absolutely. But what you've done is you're taking a guy that it's kind of like, let's say they were free agents. Are you going to pay, you know, in terms of draft capital, are you going to pay Aaron Donald type of draft capital yeah. for a guy? You know, no, he's not Aaron Donald. He bet If he is, wow. So now in terms of, who you could have had maybe getting a guy that was just a run plugger versus, you know, somebody later in somebody else without having to trade up. If he doesn't turn out to be really good on third down, in my opinion, it's not worth what they did. I think he will 
because, I mean, I'm, he's not Aaron Donald, okay? He's not a, but he's a guy that, to me, um, can be really good. Look, he's, if he can do the Fletcher Cox type things and do all that, I mean, he's, he's going to be worth it in my mind, because I think he's going to be that because I think he has the athletic ability to do it. And I know what they asked him to do at Georgia and how they asked him to do it. But I don't, I think with that, what you're getting there is you're getting the, they're getting the, doing the sell job of yeah. if it does or where, well, we still were right. No, I mean, you don't make that move unless you can, you can get that. I mean, you know, it's just like, you know, it's like me saying, you know, when, well, we tried to move up to draft Javon curse. And, and we, we just – we couldn't. We ended up taking him. And we took him high at 16. But I said, well, you know, if he's not a great pass rusher, but he can be a stand-up linebacker like at Florida, still worth it. No. <laughs> it went, no. It was as good a – you know, and he didn't – he played linebacker at Florida. And, you know, he was a great pass rusher. And while we went to the Super Bowl, quite frankly, he was the difference on our team. So – no, I don't, I don't think you can hide from that. He needs to be really good on third down. I think he will. I hope he's great. Uh, he demands double teams, so he's going to make other people around him better on third down. But it's not – and, again, it's not about, folks, it's not about how many sacks. It's about how many pressures and how many double teams does he take up on third downs. So, I mean, if he gets two sacks all year – and you got other guys, you know, because he's occupying guys or other guys getting free and everybody else is a better pass rusher, you're getting the impact on third down. If he's off the field on third down, you're not getting the complete value out of trading up that high, you know, and giving up as much to get him. That's my view anyway. And I, But, again, I think he will be that. Chris Landry here with us on Birds 365. All right, Chris. I've uh, been reading some stuff on your website about making that transition for the college season. Now you're into July and the transfer portal. It has become a huge aspect of college football. It's got its pluses, certainly for the players. If they're in a bad situation, they can't break through in the lineup. Someone else is interested, guaranteeing them play time. They just up and go. It's that much harder for coaches because guys are just leaving programs. But then again, you can fill in some blanks by taking someone in the transfer portal. So it's got its pluses and minuses for the coaches, all pluses for the players. What about a guy like yourself, a scout? How does it affect your life watching a player play at one university, then he's going to another university, he's playing in a different type system for a different type coach? How much more difficult or maybe easy, maybe I've got a bad read on it, a guy like yourself who has to try and evaluate college talent what kind of an effect does the transfer portal have on a guy like you? Well, just from a purely evaluation standpoint, it's good because you can see a guy maybe go into a different system. Although a lot of times when you bring a guy in as a transfer, you're going to bring a guy in that fits your system. So you're going to be running a similar system. But let's say you bring in a linebacker that plays Will Backer somewhere and he plays more on a strong side or he plays from some mic or he he's blitzes a little bit more. He does things differently than what they asked him in the first place. You get to see him a little more. Maybe it's a guy on a, on a team that's just loaded with talent and he just doesn't get enough playing time. And all of a sudden he's gets that time. So I, but I got to tell you guys, it is a disaster from a coaching standpoint. It's disorganized. <clears throat> Most of your fans, 
you know, or, or I'm sure a lot of your listeners are NFL. Imagine this. we got an NFL system. Any player can pick up and leave anytime they want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just, you know, no, I mean, you might make for a great show. You wake up tomorrow morning. What? He How like, many who, guys who walked out the door on the yes. Eagles? Yes, exactly. It's, look, the whole – one thing about the – we're not perfect, but there's a lot of organization and structure in the NFL. College has no organization and structure. I, I think the idea of having the right to transfer is a good one, but there's unintended consequences. You have to have a certain uh, period in which you can transfer and not just willy-nilly anytime. I mean, we got guys leaving in, in the middle of the season – last year that that's just it's just ridiculous and it's just it's it's disorganized i i detest disorganization it's the thing i'm just i can't survive i have to i just i just can't so it is it is a real problematic so it's just kind of like nil where people think it's good it's bad well it's here to stay but we need to have some doggone rules that we need to follow and yeah. we have to have guardrails so that people don't run it off the darn road. I, it's more and more like the NFL, but without, okay, we get NFL free agency. The league year starts, free agency begins. We, have, we know when things are in college, it's just we're trying to figure it out. And it's, it's on the heels of when I was a recruiting coordinator in college, guys, signing day was in February, which that's when the second signing day is now. And you didn't offer kids until they were a senior in high school because you got to know them better, more time, and they got to know you better. Now you have signing day in December. Now you're recruiting three years at a time. They're recruiting classes of 2024 now in addition to 2023. Well, you don't know whether those kids are going to develop. So a commitment that you offer to a kid and a kid that makes a commitment to you means nothing. The other schools still recruit him because, eh, he may not. Somebody may be better off for them. It just it teaches. I think it teaches the wrong message. No commitment. No organization. So I think the whole thing and the whole system is disorganized and problematic. Um, and I just think college football is so great in terms of excitement. In terms of, you know, a lot of the positive things. But we just don't have any college football organization it's run by the member institutions people say the ncaa NCAA has nothing to do with it they have no control they have no say so it's run by the 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 commissioners of the conference and everybody's doing their own thing imagine that imagine if the nfc east says we're going to do this we're going to make our own tv schedule we're going to do all this i mean and i know (laughs) I, i know that sounds stupid yeah that's what college football is yeah. Everybody, and it's right now what we're getting is the SEC and the Big Ten. This Big Ten contract that's getting ready to get done is going to blow. The, the SEC and the Big Ten are separating away from the Pac-12, the Big 12, and the ACC from a contractual standpoint. It is entering NFL level. I mean, they're getting because now you got these streaming services like Amazon peacock and you know i mean so they're and they're just throwing competition i I just don't know without organization to say all right 
this is what we need to do at college football. I, I just think it's, it's, it's a mess. And I know it's NIL when they said, well, it's not going to be used for recruiting. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. you keep everything yeah. is used in recruiting yeah. your facilities, your coach's age, you know, your style of, I mean, every darn thing is it's so it's just, and, and the, and the NCAA has no enforcement capabilities. They don't have subpoena power, and their enforcement staff is already lean. They just laid off 33 members of their enforcement staff over the past month and a half. Wow. You know, people, guys that just say, just cheat. No, it doesn't matter. Nobody's going to. Nobody yeah. can catch you unless somebody's got it on tape and just brings it there on the silver platter. You know, and then it's just it's it really is a mess, and I don't know how it, because it is. Look, we know this. A lot of owners in the NFL, if they were around, I mean, if if we didn't back in the old days when the New York and the Chicago ownership said, you know what, as a business partner, we're not going to survive unless Green Bay and everybody. We got to have opponents. Yeah. If if. If it, today, I mean, you know who the owners are. You some of them would like to say, "I want to do my own TV deal." You, you know who they are, but it it wouldn't be good for the league. But that's college football. It is, it's just your own individual thing. And in this day and age, where the world is, let's just call it, guys, selfish. Sure. I mean, the genie's out of the bottle. I mean, yeah. how are you going to coordinate it? Yeah. It's going to take a lot of reform to get it back. Maybe not in the bottle, but um, I mean, it's the most predict. I can tell you right now, there the three teams out of the four that are going to be in the playoffs, and it's only because there are three of them that are good enough, and there's maybe four of them that are good enough to be the fourth team in the playoffs and get the rear and kicked in the semifinals. That's how. <laughs> that's how um, yeah. predictable college football is, yeah. and I and, hate and, it's no, it's no fun that, and you're right, that landscape, but you're only as strong as your weakest link as a league. So you're, you're right about that, Chris. And I think people in college football have forgotten about that, but you know, the transfer portal, I want to talk about it from a coach's perspective because Jody brought it up. We were talking about Jordan Davis, even Trayvon Walker, the number one overall pick, you know, some of the knocks on them, coming into the draft was they didn't play that much because Georgia had so much stinking talent up front and either they played them or they were going to leave. And they already felt that with uh, Johnson, Jermaine Johnson, who's uh, now a New York jet uh, uh, Mm -hmm. for Jody Max club. Uh, They lost him and they got a kid who's going to be a top five pick next year. And on and on, they have so much talent. And if you don't play them, they're going to leave and they're going to go play somewhere else. So how much has it changed sort of a coach's strategy that I have to get, I have to get these people on the field and maybe that affects, didn't affect Trayvon Walker that much, but it affects the evaluation process of how good can this kid be because he's not on the field that much as what a normal number one overall pick would be. Well, it affects it a lot. It, it affects starting from how you coach. You know, you you're going to play your best players, but you know you there's no but. Period. You you also need to look at your depth, 
your future, and you need to here's, – here's how it's affected it. College coaches are recruiting their own players every day. So I mean, you're recruiting them once you're in there. Hey, stick in there. Your time's coming. You know, you're, you're, you're going to be the next first-round pick. You're recruiting your players. Here's the other thing that's happening. And this is really, you know, seedy. You're recruiting other schools' players. That is, I mean, that is happening all the time. What I'm hearing all the time with coaches, every college coach, I got more college coaches. Uh, you may know I do a lot of coaching search work. More college coaches this year want to get out of college and go to the NFL than ever before in the past 20 years. Mm-hmm. They're burnt out because they're telling me, Chris, I'm having to recruit my players in my position room every day. Right. Because I'm not, they're not, I'm not playing enough. I'm not getting enough snaps. I could go there and get this, get this. Hey, coach, so-and-so at Georgia Tech just called. They can offer me this NIL deal worth this. Now you got to go and, you know, <laughs> this is what world of college athletics is all about. And, oh, by the way, you recruit Mr. Johnny Five Star that comes in that ain't all that. He's not that good of a player. And Mr. Law Firm that put an NIL deal together and say, hey, where's Jody? I probably pay all that money for Jody Mack. And he's like, and you're getting all that crap you're having to deal with. And it's like, well, Jody's not working hard. I'm just, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, no, he's like, that's, that's what, you know, you're dealing with all of that that's real time. Look. It's what we deal with a little bit in the NFL and that guys are professionals. Some guys play a little differently, you know, in contract years and whatever. But in college, there is no – they're constantly looking out for me. And I, I, I'm not against guys getting paid money and what have you. But this is the problem, again, when the NCAA – this was coming down the track a long time ago. And if they would have taken steps – to put together a better organized situation where they say, look, you players get scholarships and room and board and all that, but we're going to give you more. And here's what we're going to do. Instead of doing that, they allowed the courts to rule in favor of some of these guys. Now, if you go to those players with that same deal, they say, believe that I can get a hundred thousand dollars. I can get 500,000. Quarterback at Alabama could get $800,000 a year just because he's that. And, you know, what's to say that that guy, guy goes out and wins the Heisman Trophy somewhere, and he's got another year left in college, he says, you know what, I like it at Alabama, but and I'm making $800,000. Um, let, let an agent help him find $1.5 million. I'm going to transfer to Penn State or whatever. I mean, that that certain guys may do that. That's kind of where we are with no rhyme or reason of what we're doing, how we're doing it. So it is chaotic, and it is the worst for the college coaches because they're having to deal with that with their own roster. And then, you know, they're having to prepare. If they lose a guy, get they have to go purge somebody else. That's That's where we are. Guys, if you, like me, learned something over the last half hour, which we do every single time we bring Chris Landry on, you got to check out his website, LandryFootball.com, his podcast, Landry Football as well. 
follow him on Twitter at Landry Football. Chris, you're one of the most insightful and best storytellers we get on here on Birds 365. We appreciate you coming on today. We'll get you on before the season starts, big guy. Hey, thanks for being patient. Get me on. It's uh, time flew by. Thanks a bunch. Keep up the great work and uh, be safe out there. Have a great summer. Our thanks, pleasure. Chris. That's uh, Chris Landry of Landry Football. Dot com. He just got great stories. Always does whenever he comes on with us. And yeah, we talk about the NFL every single day, but the Eagles just added five college players. He gave us a good rundown on them. Yeah, college football has become the Wild West. A little different. The NFL used to be the Wild West when it came to Cam. And he's right. We know who's going to be in the college football national championship. We know, Jody. We know. Maybe there's that one team, that one Cincinnati that can pop up on a given year that you say, it's going to get their tail kicked in, as Chris said, in the in the in the playoff. Uh, but you know, you know, there's four or five schools, and that's it. And that to me is a little bit depressing, to be honest. Right at the top, but then yeah. there's all the other layers of college football where there's a lot of machinations, a lot of changes going on. His point about the the portal was just so on point. You can get up and leave any time. There's yeah. not even like a given time during the year where if you're going to change teams, you're going to make move from another one college to another, that you do so in this time frame. No, you can do it any time you want. All you have to do is throw your name into the transfer portal, then you're eligible to transfer. Chris said it, unintended consequences. People don't think about it. They want Alabama. They want Oklahoma. They want the tradition. They want Penn State. They want Notre Dame. They want... They want all this tradition, but you're destroying it. And I get all the people that say, you know, people should be able to make money. But guess what? Then have a developmental league. But people don't want that because they don't want to watch the the latest incarnation of the Birmingham Stallions. And they want Alabama against Notre Dame or Alabama against Ohio State or Alabama against Auburn. You can't have it both ways. You either make rules or you have the wild, wild west. And that is the wild, wild west in college football right now. It's Chris Landry showed us. All right, coming back, we need to put a bow on the show. Stick around with Birds 365. at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Alright, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. Alright, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left. Fake them up. Mama, go up, mama! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Thanks to both Chris Landry and, and Paul Domwich for hopping on. Tomorrow we got a good one coming for you. Andrew Brandt will uh, be aboard, uh, former NFL executive, uh, does uh, great podcast work and uh, writes for a couple of really good outlets. Uh, Andrew's going to join us and our buddy uh, on a football Friday, Eddie Kratz, will be aboard too. Um, last thing, John, and I meant to bring this up at the top when we started talking and I let it get away from me. Um, Tony Saragusa. Yeah. One of the true characters of the National Football League passed away yesterday at the age of 55. And I haven't seen anyone give details on what happened. It seems to be natural causes, but you don't think natural causes at the age of 55 uh, was one of the better. Uh, we were talking about Jordan Davis earlier in the show and the ability to stop the run and that great nose tackle type player. Sarah Goose was that for a good period of time yeah. in the National yeah. Football League. And he was also one of the biggest characters uh, as well. And uh, I remember him as a very good player and a character as well. I actually feel badly for Tony Saragossa, not that he passed yesterday. Of course, that's the case. That he was one of the most misused announcers I've ever seen. When networks try and get too cute, to recreate a broadcast in the National Football League. Yeah. He was part of the Moose Johnston broadcasting. Let's go down to the field. And here's Tony. And he's not talking to a coach. He's not doing an interview. He's just standing there. And be Tony Saragusa. Be entertaining. Be funny. And it just never played right. And I would, anytime they'd go to Saragusa, I would cringe. Not because of him. Just because it was a stupid idea. When they did it with the ESPN, they did it with Booger McFarlane. Yeah, the Booger. Booger, Mobile. Booger. The Booger How Mobile. bad a friggin' fiasco yeah. was that? You're yeah. in the booth or you're a sideline reporter. If you're a sideline reporter, either give us stats or information or give us an interview of a coach. Don't try and be too cute. And I felt no, so bad for I'm Sarah with you. And Tony had such a great personality. He would have been, he, he would have been uh, great in the booth. Yeah, I'm. A, you know, nobody reinvents the wheel uh, for a reason uh, because it's pretty good. It's worked out pretty well. <laughs> you can improve it. You can make it more modern. But you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to reinvent. Uh, I'm with you with uh, Booger McFarland too, and he's good in 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 the studio. Uh, but anytime you try this wacky stuff, and yeah, I mean, but Tony, New Jersey guy as well, more North Jersey, but. Um, and you mentioned, you know, stopping the run. Boy, him and Sam Adams on that on that Ravens defense, um, it was one of the best. That and Kevin Williams and Pat Williams, you remember them, the Williams wall. Um, those are the two best run-stuffing interiors I've ever seen in the modern era. I, I want to, and 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 he was a part of one of them. Uh, just a really really good player. 
but it goes back to Chris Landry. Yeah, no matter what Jordan Davis does on those first two downs, and I try to spin it, um, if he doesn't turn into a three-down player, yeah, people are going to be disappointed. It, and it, 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 here's the reason why I agree with Chris. What no, happens, he's right. What happens on third and eight? If it's an incomplete pass, well, then Jordan helped out on third down. Yeah. If they complete it on third and eight, it becomes first and ten. Who gives a crap that he helped get him to third and eight? It all comes down to the conversion. And if you're not on the field on the conversion play. And that's why I said, Jody, it's, a, it's too esoteric because you don't know. But it's harder to convert a third and eight sure. than a third and two. I mean, it just is. And but, that's uh, the result of what actually happens on third down uh, kind of dictates everything. All right, partner, good show today. Uh, I'm up for tomorrow. Uh, football Friday. We got a football <clears throat> Friday going tomorrow. Yeah, Win. big one. Uh, Game Day Kratz and Andrew Brandt. Big one. Uh, yeah. So everybody tune in. Like, share, subscribe. Jacobsports.com. What should you do? Give me that one like, more time. Like, share, subscribe. Like, share, and subscribe. Hit that like button one more time for us. <coughs> you Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365, and we will be back in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.